What's up, everybody? We got Mr. Super Five Stone here with us live on the Zoom slash in the building, however you want to call it. So, yo, welcome, Mr. Super Five Stone. It is a pleasure to have you here at Bridge de Ga. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is basically the interview show where we run through the lives of interesting people such as yourself, Mr. Super Five Stone. We walk through your life and we just kind of learn about you and extract knowledge nuggets from your, your experiences. So just before we kick things off proper, can you just let the people know where you are from? Yes, most definitely. If you cannot tell in my voice, I had that country twang, a little bit of a country style into it. I'm down in College Station, Texas. So way mm -hmm. down in the South, man. Way down in the South, super dope to be here. I, I greatly appreciate it. I could tell you were in the South, but my Montreal self cannot tell the difference between the different Souths. So like, it's not like as clear to me <laughs> as it might be to some of the people that are more familiar with the US geographical accents. But that's gonna be super helpful because the first question involves a very young Super Five Stone. It is a little bit of a story, and uh, when it lands, you can kind of take it in whatever direction you want. And it starts off with my girlfriend, and she's washing the dishes, right? And she's got her phone playing, and it's that Black Eyed Peas song. The I got a feeling. Ooh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she's vibing, and she's <laughs> yeah. dancing. She's washing the dishes and shit. She's doing her thing. And basically, uh, I started thinking about this song. Like, basically, you have this moment where it's sitting there now, and she's washing dishes to it. It's like this chores music. It's like exercise music. Just get up and get active kind of vibe to it. But if you think about oh. this same very song, just 10 years in the past, it's some club music. We all up in there real drunk, mm -hmm. dancing around. And, and this was like everywhere, no matter where you were at. People were drunk, oh. dancing to this track. It's currently moved into wedding music lexicon actually is what i found out recently that's right <laughs> you can drop that at any wedding and it'll be a hit but that's crazy to think about how music kind of evolves over time and it's like this individual song had its own lifespan and its own journey as its place in our lives kind of changed from like when we're clubbing and it's the soundtrack to that so when we're doing boring shit and we want to go back to the soundtrack of the fun and then um right it got me also thinking a little bit about the modern club songs and how, you know, there's a bunch of people doing uh, dishes to up by Cardi B's and stuff right now. It's kind of just how these tracks kind of play out. Um, but with if, if songs kind of have these journeys and whatnot, that means us as the music -y people, we have our own musical journeys that we go on and the different things that play out in our lives change, but also attach to these different moments and whatnot. And it got me thinking about how usually when we all talk about this, we go back to that like adolescent phase when we discover our identities and we attach ourselves to music and it becomes more of a cognizant choice that we indulge in. But really, music's always been around us. It's always been a part of the experience. If we go all the way back to our youngest memories, there's going to be a little music here and there that kind of trickled in. As an example, like I can remember yep. being like four or five years old. My dad had all these gray boxes, the amplifiers and the tape decks and uh, the radio. And it was all like connected to each other with this control station. And he would like freaking uh, yeah. play the Led Zeppelin oh, yeah. tapes and whatnot. And he would bust his 90s techno music at night when the clubs was playing it on the radio. And like at Christmas time, we had this strange EDM Christmas hits remix album that came out then. Like my mom's had like 
the fucking musicals and the discos and her like love song stuff um I'll have to say this is all like this like foundational sound experience that I went through before I had any control of any of the sounds in my life. So right. I was hoping that you could bring us all the way back to when you were the youngest Super Five Stone that you could remember, and tell us a little oh, bit yeah. about what it sounded like, what your parents' family environment was, what it was like to be you, and the sounds that were around you, the tech and all that good stuff. Yeah, man, most definitely. It, it's it's crazy you said that because I can remember vividly. Still, the same song today still has a huge impact on me. Phil Collins in the air tonight. I remember being five years old and my dad played it on repeat, man, repeat. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, this sounds amazing, right? So that was like the first, like into the '80s type of a style of rock, the ballads that I had first heard. You know, then going up from that. And it's crazy because I remember my mom was a fan of this group and she bought me their tape and it was new kids on the block. Mm. Go figure 1990, 91, you know? So I had that, but then when I got to be about like 13 or 14, my taste of music really, uh, before, before really we get, changed. Before we get into that, let's stay when you're, st when you're young a bit. Cause there's usually some good nuggets that we can extract and nobody else going to ask you about. So when you're like five, are you like in like a musical kind of life? So your parents is bump on music, but does that mean you're like a five year old doing all kinds of dances and stuff? Are you into that kind of no. world? No, I was actually all into athletics. They had me. I was I was very gifted athletically. So, mm. but wanting to be able to sing, I've always wanted to do that from that that point. I can remember that. I can I can remember saying in my head, "This is what I want to do when I grow up." Right, and at five years old, you don't really. It, it's it's a dream to you, but at that same time, it's something that really piqued your interest. That just mm. is like, and it sat, it resonated, it resonated, it resonated. And with that song in particular, with Phil Collins, the way his vocals were, man, like it wasn't the sound of like the tone that he was singing in. It was the emotion that you can feel. That for me, I remember that. It's just like, okay, you're able to move people. And me being a child, you're able to move, not just me as a child, but my parents who were adults, right? You're able to move people with your words. And that that right there is what hooks like that. It's like, I want to be able to do that. If I can do that, I, I can do something that's that, that can change shit. You know? You know, it's it's nifty that you bring that song up because if I listen to your most recent stuff, you can kind of hear that influence of that very track in the sound that you're fucking with right now. Yep. So that's that's super nifty. And that sounds amazing. Um Thank All right, you. so you were what kind of athletics were you into when you were young? I was in man, they had me in everything. I was into soccer, baseball. I was very much into. it. I was really good at it. Um, basketball, I played every any sport that you can name. I competed swimming. I competed in track. I competed in everything athletically. That's what I invested my time into because they wanted to always keep me busy. You know, keep me busy. You stay out of trouble. You stay busy. You're out of trouble. And if you're good at athletics down in the u.s of course you can get a college scholarship to go play you know if you're good enough you'd be able to get school paid so that was always drilled into me was hey you need to try and do something you know blah 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 but still at the same point it was like in the meantime like i would always as a kid man i would sit there and i would be in my room by myself just having music on i wouldn't be outside running around playing around doing stuff like that i was very creative i was always drawing I was always painting or I always had music going. That, that was prevalent, you know, 
but athletics was the main thing at that point in time that had taken over was athletics. That's cool that you were dragon painting because believe it or not, before we moved on, I was going to bring it back to that because, uh, you know, graffiti is part of the element. So it's kind of like attached to drawing. So I think it's right. uh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, you were you. What would you listen to while drawing when you were young? Like, what is a vibe like? What kind of stuff did you I, draw? Back, well, when I was young, specifically drawing more, that's like when more of the 90s, early 90s alternative grunge came about. So you had a lot of Silverchair, you had a lot of Alice in Chains, Nirvana was coming out on, on the scene huge, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers at the time. So I loved a lot of that. I also loved blues music. Like, I I would have Stevie Ray Vaughan at any point in time. I could listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan play any day, sing any day. There was something about his vocals, you know. And But I would always have something that, that was, like, just good tempo, man, up, upbeat. Because that's the type of move when I was drawing and painting in that I was always in. I was not, if I was ever sad, I wouldn't be drawing, I wouldn't be painting. Like, that's just me. When I'm in that way, I don't like to create. <laughs> I, I try to just get that done with. So I always try to keep positive type of, of influence, man, because that affects my mood. If I put something on negative, I'm going to feel negative after a while. Mm. All right, so... That sounds like off the jump, you have a very artistic background, but you're also getting a lot of discipline and like learning how to deal with people through sports that are coming into the equation right away. So uh, what happens when you get to adolescence, you said, and you said you got a more defined taste in music. What Do you remember like the first song where it like went from like, okay, this sounds good. My parents are bumping this to, yo, this my favorite song. Yeah, I can remember that vividly. I remember... I had a guy that was uh, he was an assistant coach, and I was 13, and he gave me you know, all eyes on, the All Eyes on Me two-part CD, Tupac, okay. right? And, and at the time, I wasn't listening to rap. I remember vividly putting on that very first track. Actually, the one that I listened to was All Eyes on Me, and I was hooked. I was hooked. I had never in my life heard somebody that was lyrically able to put words in such a way that was poetry. That was just painting a picture that was so vivid. You didn't even have to have somebody explain. It. it was just there. And you could feel what he was talking about. I memorized that entire CD, front to back, word to word, man. I was booked because I was just like, how how does he do this? How does he do this? And then on the flip side of that, that's when I was also introduced to Led Zeppelin okay. and Jim Morrison and The Doors. And that you know and I, even more so later on in my life when i meet my wife who's my wife now she had a huge influence on my being around her but i, I you know led zeppelin here the stairway to heaven for the first time you know or days of confuse it was just like dude how these guys make these guitars sing to you mm-hmm. without having to sing a, a lyric to you the guitars are singing jimmy page is making a whale but then you have the vocals it's like Robert Plant, man, there's not going to be another Robert Plant. There's not going to be another Jim Morrison. And, you know, this is pre-auto-tune days before they're using auto-tune. So when you hear this rawness of these vocals and just the power and the soul of it, and you're just like, man, and you always want to do music, that's stuck in my head. It's just like, okay, how, how, how can I do this? Like, how could I learn how to start doing this? And for me, I, I literally would used to sit there and sing every song word for word with it, man. No matter if it was off tone or not, you know, because you're not going to hit these notes. But the fact is just doing it because it was putting it into my head. This is what I want to do, right? And I, that was 13, man, 13 years old. And then 14, I was literally in the studio for the first time. So a year later, 
okay, okay. Studio. So, so let's recap there. So you're like surrounded by music your whole life. You're already obsessed with this idea from like wanting to use your essence to convey that mm -hmm. level of emotion to connect since you were like super young. And then you basically get into memorizing the shit out of other people's music that you feel is worth emulating, studying it, practicing it, going all out at like 13. And somehow this leads to how do you end up in a studio? How does that get you to a studio? I've heard a lot of people say shit like that, but to get to and a studio by 14, that's a little, that's a little interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Well, the thing is, and, and this is why I'm glad you had me on here beforehand is freestyling is my gift. Freestyle mm. rap is my gift. And I remember at 14, I was riding bikes with my best friend at the time who just started freestyling back and forth and just, he was like, man, how do you, he's like, you got a gift with this. He's like, you have a gift with this. Cause I was able to retain words in my head. Wasn't repeating anybody's stuff, not copying anybody's words, not copying any of their stuff, but learning how to, I remember, man, just I'll, to take it back a little bit before that. My mom used to have me read a dictionary every day, every day. She'd be like, you're going to read this dictionary. And I would be like, okay, whatever. That played into my freestyle abilities later oh, on. I had such a wide variety. Yeah. You legit read the dictionary. Yeah, not by choice. Not by not by choice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not by choice. It was more like punishment, man. She would be like, oh, you're going to act like this. You're going to go to your room and read the dictionary. And that's what she, I'm not kidding. But now I look at it and I'm like, <laughs> I, I thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So that's why we do this. Because, yo, like, at the end of the day, Anyone could talk about like my current project is this and people do that shit a lot. And obviously people talk about right. that, but that's like six minutes max. I guarantee you, nobody stretched that more than exactly. eight minutes in any interview I've done. But then I realized everybody likes hearing about five-year-olds drawing. I don't know why, right. but everybody loves that shit. And people like reminiscing about high school. I don't know. We're all old, yep. whatever. It is what it is. So it's like hearing you go through these experiences and be like, yo, you bicycling and fucking busting freestyles with your friend. And <laughs> like, that's fucking cool. Like, that's the and, story. Uh, that's, that's how it started, man. Like, that's how it started. And at the time, my best friend, his cousins down in the area I were in, they were really big in the rap scene. And they got co-signed by Chameleon Air and Paul Wall, who are really big down here. Um, so... They were doing things and they had studios and he took me over there, man. And he was like, Hey, I got this guy. He's super dope. And I remember, man, you want to talk about nervous? Like, I, that's the thing. I don't ever bullshit. Like I'm very honest and very blunt with who I am. And like, I would be lying to you if I told you that I wasn't scared shit was going in there for the first time. Right. I'm 14. I have all these guys that are 19, 20, 22, 23 have been doing this. This is what they do. And then I'm in there for the first time. And, like, at that moment, it was like, you have one or two options, man. You can fuck this up and sit there and go, this, this is what you wanted, and you just you choked. Or you could put this aside and say, okay, do what you know you do and just put everything into it. And that's what I did. Now, was it the best freestyle or shit that I laid down? No. But what they heard was they felt the energy. They said, that, what you did right there, they said, there's something special about that. They said, we'll work with you, start learning, you start practicing doing your own stuff. And that's when it started, 14 years old, getting that first taste of being in there. Hooked, man. Hooked. Yo, that's big. 
And I like that you said that it didn't really matter that it wasn't the best freestyle, but it was the energy and the passion that you put forth. Yep. Because um, a lot of people I find focus a lot on like being the most technically proficient MC that they know how to be with like complex writing and everything, everything. But yeah, I just, I just like the fact that like rather than worrying about how good you are per se, when put in a position, you blasted it with all the passion and the energy and people felt what you brought to the table. And it's that shit that you do that, like, like you can literally fumble verses and still yep. own a crowd if you're doing it yep. right. People just fuck with it. Like, it's a moment y'all had or whatever. So it's like, it's cool that you were able to, like, catch that at, like, such a young age and even just be in that position and then jump at it. So then what happens after you get this, like, big inspirational bout? So here's what's crazy about this too, man, is my family, right? Like my mother and my grandfather then literally didn't know the type of music I was doing until almost five years ago when I took it in a professional direction, which I'll get into. But because I never thought that they would accept the type of music. My family, they're middle class, but mm -hmm. they're very, it's like down south, they're, it's conservative, right? So I always had that fear of my head of being judged by my own family. Right. So I sat there, and after I did, you know, the first mixtape I had done, um, How, wait, she had heard. Hold, hold when did you do your first mixtape? At fifteen. How did you get? How did you pull that off at fifteen? Like, how did you get beats and stuff? I, I had guys that were producers there, and they're like, "Hey, man, let's put out an EP." And at the time, you gotta understand, there was no distro kid, there was no TuneCore, there was no United Masters, there was none of that. So what we would do is we would actually print hard copy CDs and go sell them $10 a pop. Just go everywhere at the stores, man, or be like knock on the door to people we knew, sit there and sell them out the truck of the car. And it worked. That's how you built your buzz back in the day where we're at in Houston and Texas. That's, that's how you did it, was you would physical hard copies, man. Like nowadays, it's not like that. Nowadays, it's super simple. <laughs> back then, no, man, it was yeah, old different, but at 15... So, yo, it, yep. it's like, it's crazy that people say it's super simple now. I'm like, bro, I've only ever been an internet rapper. It is not super simple. It is like super simple to get your music to the store. And then it's like, <laughs> okay, then what? <laughs> you know, like, right. I kind of like. That comes into, yeah, there's all different part of that. Yeah. Like, then it's like, I kind of think back to it. And it's like, yo, when I listen to people describe this mixtape grind, I'm like, it honestly sounds a lot more fun. Like, it sounds like yeah. there's, like, a charm to, like, being part of the scene in regards to literally being out there. And I like talking about this because, yo, I never did it. But I know a lot of people in my city did. I know a lot of people in a lot of cities did. And I know a lot of people made a lot of money that never got written down anywhere off of these moves. Right. Which is just, like, a, a big thing to think about. Because in this era of data and billboard, it's, like, how many people actually did shit that nobody can try? Anyway. Um so you're 15 out there hustling mixtapes that you may have, and you guys had access yep. to all this gear and people invested in you because of the freestyles and the passion and whatnot. Were y'all doing like music videos yep. too, or was that like not accessible back no. then? No, it was just strictly just doing strictly on putting recordings down and doing like any pop-up show anywhere, you know? So I remember performing for the first time at 16 years old and there was maybe like, like 20 people. You know, not a whole bunch, but for me, 20 people, I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, 20 people here, don't, don't fuck this up, you know, like, in looking back at that retrospect, like, anytime I 
perform now, I still get that same feeling as I got then in the very beginning. You know, I still get the butterflies, man. I still have those nerves until the very first note drops or the first mm, beat comes on. And then everything's, that. then I'm in my zone. But I would be lying if I said, no, I don't get nervous. I don't get bullshit, man. I get butterflies terribly until I'm up there and then I'm in my element, you know, and it goes. I think it's more the anticipation and everything, you know, but at 16, you know, I remember doing 20 people show, man, and the music back then compared to now is nothing like it is now. So, you know, but looking back then, it was something I was proud of. It was something that I was just like, oh, it's so dope. And, you know, people were like, hey, your shit's dope, man. But I think a lot of them just said it back then because we were doing something that <laughs> it was like we we're doing something that we said we were going to do and nobody else. Would do. So it was like the support was there for that. And I think once people started to realize, oh, shit, you're actually taking this seriously. That's when, like, the whole attitude changed. You know, they're like, oh, this isn't a joke. This isn't so just fucking hobby, right? Like, this is what you actually want to do. Mm. To be fair, it's like you're you're like 15, 16, so I guess it's a little different when you're trying to explain to people that you're really serious about this and it's what you want to do. Yeah. Because, like, yep. I mean, it's a different challenge to explain to people in your mid-20s that you want to seriously be a rapper. But when you're 15, like, it's, right. it's like people are just like, bro, I finished school. You know, you know, like you're supposed to be. Doing oh yeah, they're stuff. like, dude, they're like, bro, I don't even want, I don't even want to hear it. Like they, and then honestly, yeah, do finish your school, stay in school, get your education, get it done. Now, if you want to do it on the side, do it on the side. And that's what I did. But like, it would be, I understand that concept of you're 15, or you want to do this for a living. Really, like, what are you talking about? Like, go focus on other stuff. But at the same instance, those same guys also saw the talent. They mm. knew it was there, so they're like, we're willing to spend time with. We're willing. It was like a mentorship more than anything, which was I'm very grateful for because that was my foundation of learning how to record my own vocals, you know, learning how to EQ anything correctly. Like mixing wise, that's a whole different thing. But like vocally, that taught me the foundation of all that. So I'm really I'm, I'm grateful for that, man. I remember we used the program we used was we actually got it off LimeWire when that was still a thing back in the day. And we used it was uh, we took Acid Pro off there. We, we got it off there for free. So, and that was before they started using the box, which they use on everything now, right? They, everything has a box. This is pre-box. So you have the full studio program. And that's what we use for the first thing to record up. That's incredible. Just how like you just grabbed what was accessible. Y'all just made it happen. Yep. And you're doing this all as a minor. Just like, and even yep. a Canadian minor, which is a less of an age than your minors. Um, but like... <laughs> So I mean, are are you uh, you also actively continue to perform after that twenty person show? So is this like a whole grind you're taking on for a while? No, I would say after sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, I really focused on athletics with school. I had college scholarships to go play football, so I had to really focus everything on that. Um, needless to say, that worked out for one year. So and then this whole time, I did not touch music. So I didn't touch music back again until literally. I was 25. So that's a, a nine-year gap. I didn't record. I didn't do anything. Now, the whole time during that, though, I was freestyling every day. I would always do something, but I wasn't recording. I wasn't actively looking to do anything, right? Like, But then at 26 years old, 25, 26 years old, I met my wife. And I remember meeting her the very first day, and I freestyled for her. And she sat there, and she was like, how, how, what are you doing? She's like, what are you doing? Like, do you, do you have a talent? And I remember that. And about a year later, man, I was working a job 
that I did not like, right? Uh, in Texas, y'all don't know in Texas, marijuana is illegal. So I had a joint that I got arrested for and literally, literally got arrested for that. Since that happened, certain jobs would not hire me. So they had me cooking, man. And like, I'm not supposed to cook for a living, bro. Like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I mean, for a joint. Yeah, for a joint, for a joint. Like, I, 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 I'm in Montreal, right? Now, forget about it being legal. I've never had to stress about a joint. I mean,. I'm not as brave as others to smoke in front of cops, but every friend of mine brags no. about how they smoke in front of cops. I, I don't know. But like, yeah, no, I don't do that. <laughs> but it's like, no, man. So you got caught with one joint one time and that shit ended up giving you a record or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. You gave me, they gave me a year of probation for that. So of course it was on my record then. So any job that I wanted, they loved me, but they're like, Oh, well, corporate rules, you have marijuana possession, so we can't hire. Holy shit, though! So it was like it came to the point, man. Like I was at the point where it's just, what are you doing with yourself? Like this isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And hey, you got to think, this was seven years ago almost, man. That I made this decision, and I sat there, and I really said to myself, "All right, I'm going to commit to this music. I'm going to make it work, one way or the other." And just so you know, the two reasons it didn't work at first, I'd say half of it was self doubt. Like self doubt and like fear of judgment, which I don't now. I don't have any. I don't have self doubt, fear of judgment. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Plain and simple, you know. But back then, I think that was a big part of holding me back. Was what's my family gonna think? Mm. What's my peers around me gonna think? Any of this stuff. And then the other half was, what step do I take to even fucking start? Like doing this on my own. What what? Right. Like. Big yeah, it's, it's like, what step do I fucking take, man? Because I didn't have a studio. I didn't I didn't know anybody in the area for a studio. So I had a friend told me, he's like, hey, man, there's an app it's called BandLab. Have you, have you used it? And I was like, no, man, I, I'm not. And it was a full studio on your phone, right? I remember putting out about 60 songs off that damn thing in the very beginning. And... One of them blew up on SoundCloud. The quality was absolute shit. Was not good, but people vibed with it, man. And I still have it up. I kept it up. Oh, I think up. it's Can still you up there. What you just said, the song yeah. that people vibed with sounded like the shit. Quality, the quality was absolute shit. Yeah. My guy, that is magic it, to me to hear. You know why? Because <clears throat> people spend so much money trying to chase this perfection, thinking that's gonna be the thing that makes their song like pop and I get right. it. And I totally and well, it's, it's crazy about that is like, I've had people ask me all the time now, especially with the new music I have now, and the music's been out. They're like, why do you keep that song up? Why do you, and I'm like, it's the easiest answer, man. I keep it up simply for the fact to remind myself where I came from, where I started and to keep myself grounded. No matter how big this gets, this all started from off a phone app. Until I got a studio off a phone app, man, just believing in myself and putting one track out, man. I remember the first time I saw my music out and I was like, that was a very proud moment because it proved to myself at that very moment, you can do this. No matter what anybody tells you, no matter what anybody said, you proved them fucking wrong. No, you can't put music out. Check. Oh, you can't get on the radio. Check. Oh, you can't do this. 
check, 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 check. Tell me I can't fucking do it. Right? That's my whole mindset. Tell me I can't do it because here's the thing. I came into this shit with absolutely nothing. So I have nothing to fucking lose but everything to gain, man. Failure is not an option. And that's why, and I've kept that. You know, but it just took the first step and then getting the studio, which I'll get into with you, having that, and then just everything that came in between. Tell us more <laughs> about this. Dirty. So this app let you make beats? Uh, no, it's actually, you can make beats on it, but it's actually a full recording, like DAW, mm. off your phone, where you can actually import the beat in there as a stem, and you can record X amount of lines you want and actually mix it down the best of your ability on there. And it will give you actually pretty damn good quality once you know what you're doing. Yo, how much does that cost? How much does Free. That Yo, you're saying that everybody, everybody, Free. everybody could have copped a $25 mic off of Amazon that's half decent. Yes. Yes. I, I know that because I copped a $25 mic and I was like, bro, this is actually pretty good. Um, yeah, no, you no bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you sure can. And then um, plug that into your phone. Record some shit on your phone. Yeah. And bang out like a mixtape or two. Yeah, no, no bullshit. That's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. Exactly that. It was free to use, and it teaches you, man. Like whenever you do get into a studio of your own, or if you're in somebody else's, because everything now is software, right? So everything's using a DAW, using programs. That will show you the basis of what you need to know recording. So when you go into the studio, if you get your own, you're already going to have the knowledge of, oh, okay, this is how I do this, this is how I do that, this is how I do this. Instead of just going into it, not knowing a thing, looking at all these knobs and looking like, okay, what the hell is reverb? What is EQ? What is brightness? What is contrast? Like, those things all make a difference. Delays, all these stuff. And BandLab, you can actually do that shit. <laughs> it's not as in-depth as some of the programs, but they still give you the option to do it. And, you know, just to, like, add an extra layer to those people out there going, well, I'm never going to go that deep with it. Yo, if you don't know how to say the words EQ, and if you don't know what an attack is on a compression, I think compression has attack, and you can't, like, link these yep. terms together, sound engineers are going to know you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Hey, here's what's crazy. You said this. My sound engineer, my guy that did all my new stuff, right? My buddy, my brother, by Black Show out of Australia, bro. I didn't know the verbiage, right? Like when he said, hey, bro, you're bleeding your vocals. I didn't know what the fuck that meant. So like I asked him all these things because here's the thing. I always ask positive criticism. One is a great thing. And two, when you're an artist, man, artist, anybody that's an artist or wants to be an artist, keep, keep this in your head. When you have an engineer that knows what he's doing and he recommends certain things to you, do not get upset. Don't take it as an attack. Don't take it as always oh, fucking dogging my shit. Don't do that. Actually take it, utilize it, and incorporate it. And here's the thing. If it works, then great. If it doesn't work, chances are y'all going to find a sound that came out of that. Yo, and it's going to work either way. I swear for years my dude would give me advice and I would be stubborn. But I'm paying him, right? So he's going to be like, fuck, whatever, do what you want. And then at one right. point we, we had to have the talk. Upon which, <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, I was I was ready for the talk where he's like, you got to make better music. <laughs> you know, got to focus on yeah. the music, not on you right. and what you want to do with it. Maybe, maybe like, you know, like rethink some of your approaches. Maybe we splash some auto-tune on you and fuck your no auto-tune policies. And maybe we just right. like, you know, just do what sounds best. And, you know, like 
some yo being a one take king that was that was my dream back in the day everything had to be one bro, take. that's what i used to that's what they used to call me all the time one take king bro because i just smashed it in one take every time but i can you know, do it and, nice right i would spend like 57 one takes to get the one take sometimes and that's not the most efficient process it's just not yeah but you know what the fact that you still did it though what makes the difference bro you know how many times and here's the thing talking about freestyle in general okay when i hear somebody say they freestyle rap that means you are freestyling off that top off the top of your head in that moment nothing is scripted or pre-written right i've had producers man i've had artists sitting there like oh it's a freestyle and you know it's not and then i've had a guy go well bro freestyle could be where you have a half written and then spit the rest like that's not freestyle like you lost your mind i was like a freestyle is completely off the top of your head. It's in the moment. That's what's the best thing about freestyle. It's in the moment, man. So, you know, and then people, oh, you freestyle? How do I know it's not scripted, bro? How do I know? Give me a topic. Give me a topic every 20 seconds. Give me a different word. Stuff like that, right? And that only, and I do that for practice, bro, just so you know, probably every day. I'll have my wife or I'll have my buddy be like, bro, give me a different word every 30 seconds. Keeps my head sharp, keeps it going, keeps it moving, keeps the transition. Oh, we, we got a question here from Ismail, who also um, yeah. had another What's question up, Ismail? earlier I ignored. Uh, but uh, any first, the other one. Has anybody given you compliments about your voice, given how unique it is? Which I feel like is yes. a compliment in a question form. Thank you. Actually, I do appreciate that it is a compliment and in a question form. But yes, um, I've had numerous people sit there and go, your voice is super unique, man. And all I can do is tell them thank you. There's nothing I do that's different. You know, I'm just a big dude, man. I'm six foot three, about 205. <laughs> big dude. I look like a Viking. You know what I mean? So I'm glad I have the voice that fits it. <laughs> and his uh, other question, which was more of a straight question, is do you produce beats or do you plan to? Uh, I have. I do plan to at some point, yes, because I have the actual software to sit there and learn how to do it all correctly. And not even that, having the engineer that I have, if, if I had questions or if I needed anything done, I can always just hit him up and be like, bro, what do I do? And he he's like he's, he's like my dictionary now, man. Like, literally, it's it's kind of crazy. But, yeah, I want to be able to incorporate everything musically where I can do all of it. I play guitar. I sing. I rap. The only thing I have not done is literally make my own beat, to be honest. So, yeah, that's going to actually come next <laughs> at some point soon. Fair enough. So you basically freestyle all the time, and you've been doing that every day since high school, or earlier. Yeah. Or no, you yeah. said in high school you started. When did it's you... been since fourteen? It's been literally twenty three years. I'm thirty seven, so twenty three years. That's a long time. That's an interesting yep. long time too, right? Because um, yeah. Sometimes, uh, people come into a new. I mean, you come into a new. You're like hungry, and you're like you want. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. how old you are. You, you don't know how long nope. other people have been doing this shit and where they're coming nope. from. So and, like, nice, here's the like thing. It's you, you know? It's super humbling, and not even just that, man. Like, nobody can tell you, no matter what age you are, oh, you can't do this. When you find your sound that's unique and not like anybody else's, you're going to be successful. You will mm. – it will work, man. And, like, for me, just for a background for everybody – when I, I was signed to management three and a half years ago, I had management for a year and they had Sony was pushing for distribution. So I had that shit, right? It wasn't for me. Uh, 
being independent was the way for me to go. And But I'll give you an example. I've learned some things when I was with them that I still take to this day. But one of the most defining things that sticks out at this time, and a lot, no, a lot of people don't know this about me, so you'll, you'll enjoy this little nugget here, man. I had the guy, my manager at the time, had sent me this beat, and he goes, hey, man, I need you to make a track of this. We're going to have a conference call after you send it back, and we'll go over it all. So I did this, right? And I'm like, oh, man. And you got to think, this is like, Four, almost four years ago when I was using BandLab, okay? I didn't get my studio until a year after. So I'm using BandLab, all right? So I didn't know the difference. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, this is fucking dope. And I sang on it, right? And I actually auto-tuned my voice, and I thought it was actually decent. Looking back on it now, I'd be like, ah, okay, you could have done better. But at that time, at that time, I was super fucking proud of it because he kept on telling me, man, take yourself out of your comfort zone. Take yourself out of your comfort zone. Take yourself out of your comfort zone. That's all I heard constantly. So I was like, well, what better way to do that than to start singing on tracks, right? And it was something like I remind remind you, since five years old, I always wanted to do that. So it for me, that was a huge fear, though, was what's he, I know I can rap, but what's he going to think about me singing? Right? So I, didn't, I did what he said. So I'm going into this meeting, man. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, he's going to love this shit. It's going to be a great call. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was 25 minutes of me getting completely shit on, on how terrible it was, on what the fuck were you doing? You're wasting my time. And I remember the one thing that he told me was, don't fucking sing. Don't sing. Right? So, and I'm going to tell you, for five days, I'm not going to lie to you, five days, man, I was fucking livid for five days because I had never had anybody do that to my music. I had never had anybody sit there and trash it the way he did, right? But at literally at some point, five days in, it clicked. And I took the anger out of what he was telling me. And I listened to what he said, right? And there are certain things that he was really right about. But then I it, that I burned that thought in my head. It's like, oh, I can't sing? I'm going to prove you fucking wrong. And I've kept that with me for the past three years. And it's been trial and error, man. Like, believe me, I, I didn't take vocal lessons. I wasn't in choir. I wasn't any of this shit. It was literally just practicing vocal, just singing and literally building your vocals, man. They start to build. You're able to start to hit octaves. You're able to hold notes. And then all of a sudden people are like, holy shit, you can sing. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what that's like. My girlfriend can tell you all about that. She can absolutely (laughs) describe that whole process in my showers and whatnot. And I belt awfully for years. But it got good. Not like great. Like, I'm actually pretty proud of my shit now. Um, you should be. No, like for real. Like it's like no, for real. Like four or five years of like I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna learn how to do it. Basically on that same shit, motherfuckers kept telling me yep. it would always be car rides. I'd be in the car with people, and some fucking song comes on, and every time I belt out because I love the shit, and it's their favorite right. song. And whenever you sing somebody else's favorite fucking song in a way that is less than like karaoke perfect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Stop ruining my favorite uh, song. I'm like, yo, that got me so mad. I'm like, fuck it. I yep. have to learn how to sing. I'm not doing this for the rest of my life. <clears throat> I'm not. And I'm going to ruin their songs for the rest of my life. So it's like we had to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that's, bro, that's where it was with me, though, man. Like, it, it came down to, and that, and literally what also came down is what separates me as an artist from everybody else. What separates me? Like, if I go out rapping, everybody else is rapping too. Like, 
that doesn't make me different. What's going to make me different? My voice makes me a little bit different. I get that. But it was like, you really need to like start utilizing your vocals. That's like start incorporating blues, soul, start incorporating rock, start incorporating R&B, start incorporating metal. Like I did all these multiple genres with rap included. That's what I started to do until I found my sound, which it took me literally, if you think about it, in essence, 23 years, but took me the past four years doing this professionally, four years to find my sound. And like the new tracks that I sent you, those, that's my sound. And I found it and nobody's doing it, man. Like that's what I told my engineers. I was like, bro, we have something that nobody's doing. And it's all because we believed in what we were doing, one, believed in our music, and two, we push each other. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can make a good track or you can make a fucking banger, right? Like, I want to make a fucking banger. I don't want to make just a good track, man. That to me is a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Let's make a fucking banger, right? Because music, man, it, it moves people. Like you said, it moves people, man. Like, that's the whole thing with music. I want to be able to connect with people on a musical level because I tell people, man, music is literally, you're, I'm giving a piece of my soul to you through my music. You're able to hear what I feel through my music is a connection to my soul. That's why it's so raw. That's why it's just so it's just there. It's because I don't I don't write anything. Nothing's written. Everything's just off the top. All of my songs, everything, books, everything. Nothing's written. So I stay in that moment and I make sure I stay in that until that track's completed. Yeah, serious stills, man. I like that you put, approach it like that. I got some questions about this whole management in the distro, all your deal shit, because you know, how often you talk to people who actually been in that circuit. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of people care about this shit because uh, like, yeah. nobody really Googles very well. Um, so <laughs> it's the truth of it. Um, what What are the benefits of management? Like, why would I? Why would? Why would I want management? Benefits of management, specifically. If they're with a good label, a big label, big name, management is going to be getting you booked on the shows. Management's going to be getting you television appearances. Management's going to get you booked tours. They're going to get you paid. Their goal is to sit there and make you successful because they have to recoup. Because as an artist, when you get signed to a deal, especially like a big deal, they're going to give you an advance. Keyword, everybody listening, remember this, okay? If you're an artist and when the time comes that you get an offer you need to make sure and understand what advance means advance is a loan okay that's how money you're keeping so if they go hey we want to give you 400k okay cool but we're going to recoup at a 25 percent interest off your album sales we're going to recoup off of your streams so you say 25 to make their interest? money back. so that's 400k oh, yeah. plus is that annual interest of 25 so now every year that goes by you're up a hundo until it's paid so Yo, that part I wasn't aware that there was an interest like that, eh? So think about that. That's that's a yeah, hundred a year. It in the contract. And so, so let's you, say you get that advance it, and yeah. it takes a year. Does that mean you've gained like a hundred thousand dollars of debt before your album comes out, or is it only yeah. after the album gets released? Yeah. Wow. No, that's even that's prior. So and yeah. So then you're sitting in a hole, right? So. Now, say, say that works out, though. Say your album comes out and you're making your money and they're, they're happy as to be, right? You're not going to own your masters at all. The label owns it. So any music you make with them, after your contract is up, they still own that music. 
Why do you think it cost Kanye $330 million to buy his? Why do you think Taylor, Taylor Swift, who's written how many hits, she's going through trying to get legal battles with Scooter Braun, who's her manager. He owns her masters. And he told her flat out, no matter how much money you offer, you're not getting Serious shit when you get into that. Well, she's re-recording everything because uh, DMX. Now actually, she is. Yes. Did you now know DMX did that like, one time? He yeah. actually has oh, yeah, an album that he did that was like I was like, why did he do this? I didn't know it at first, and then I realized when he re because you own the copyright. So as the artist, yep. you own the composition, but the recording yep. is the masters. That is, and here's how you get your masters. Here's how you own your masters. Just so you know, the studio that you record in, right? Say I, I record at home. So I own all of my music because I record it in my place. It's my music. When you're recording their studio, that's who owns it. So it'd be like, okay, well, uh, record here. I'm like, no, no, no. You're gonna record in our place. That's how that. That's mm. that's literally how you own your masters. Just so everybody knows, it's where you record at. It's not where you send your stems to. It's where you record the vocal composition. So where you get the basis of the song at. That's or where you make the beat. That's where, that's who owns it. Whoever owns that studio owns the master. Yeah. That's serious. It's crazy, bro. Like, it, and they don't tell you this. They're not going to tell you this stuff. They're not going to be like, hey, let me just tell you, we're going to take this, 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 and then uh, we're going to take a little bit more too. You know, but the thing is, they also, it has its pluses. Like I said, having a label behind you, you now have the big machine mind, right? So, Say your album, they have an album that they want you to do. They're going to allocate anywhere between two hundred fifty dollars to $400,000 just towards the album alone. They're going to then allocate anywhere between six hundred k to nine hundred k for a music video. And then they're going to allocate another about one hundred fifty dollars to two hundred fifty k for branding. It's a lot of money. That's all tied into your one project. Yeah, right? that's a lot of money. So it's a lot of money. Yeah, but so you gotta to, just, like, just to counter that, from the independent side, that's what you're up against when people talk about paid. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. And what's crazy is like people radio used to be to be able to break a single on radio. It would generally cost you about 250 K to get it in circulation on the mainstream radio shit. It's about $250,000. And now though, with the independent artists and like independent artists have now literally just as big as an opportunity as your major label artists, it's going to take you a little longer. I will say that it's not going to come just like this. And you shouldn't want that. Honestly, you should understand and know your worth, understand that know what you're worth and don't ever sell yourself short. You know what I mean? Just don't do it. You it's being able to own your music is pivotal. Being able to, own the correct percentage of streams coming in like a label all right can you repeat that? yeah so the streaming yeah so say like you get all your streams on spotify youtube everything like that generally through independent your independent artists you have 100 percent of your royalties through a label you're only going to get about 30 to 40. Right. they're going to take 60 to 70. yeah that's a lot yeah so I mean, it's a lot but I guess the other side of it is independent, and it's because this, this is an actual consideration I've had recently. Not that I want to get signed, but maybe management, like not mm -hmm. necessarily big management, but like there's so much to it. Being independent, there's a lot. 
And like, I'm in a position where I still have a day job, right? Cause like, right. it's just where it is, right? And then we're doing all this other shit. Like to me, this is promo. This is my promo, right? Like I get to go out right. to the world like this. It's a alternative strategy that we're hoping lands in, in a different way, you know? But honestly, just to think about trying to manage getting booked, that requires knowing right. about all the local shit, knowing the promoters, reaching out, yeah. figuring out how to play all that game. And all that is hours. It's not like a five-minute job. We're talking about legit research no. into shit, figuring out. Because let's say you look at um, a promoter books 15 people on a regular. Do you blend with those 15 people? Because if the answer is no, don't do that show is my experience because you might get like footage out of it, but like... I don't know, man. I performed at a lot of shows where, like, I didn't fit the vibe and, like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't, like, really convert yeah. fans or anything because, like, the people really weren't there for what I was doing. Right. And, that uh, makes sense. No, I've, I've been in that situation. So, and all you can do is just still try and do it the yeah, best of course. you can. Um, I mean, but you, it's that vibe you get. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You're like, eh. like yeah. <laughs> They're not really feeling my shit, but. Yeah, and then you watch everyone else come out and do like a completely different style and you're like, yeah, I get it. I, I understand. Right. But um, right. that's where like the machine comes in. They they don't make those oh. choices. They like know how to do the market research. And I feel like Everything. on the independent side, a lot of us are lacking that desire to do that part of the legwork. And so it's like, yeah, if you it's, are going to not take it takes that time. machine, you have to like- It takes time, like you said, you know, it, it takes time. But here's the thing. YouTube is by far one of the best resources you can use. And also Google anything. Nowadays, everybody has answers for everything, right? Like there's some type of answer somewhere. But it's literally taking the time to teach yourself, man. And like, that's what I did. We forget. We froze again. Did yeah. we freeze again? We got most of that audio. Even that part, you said you were paying them $100 a track and they weren't actually yeah. doing work and you didn't know better. So via the self-education of Google, you were able to educate yourself both on how to do it, yep. but also how to find the right people to work with. Yeah, and I, it's literally one guy I work with, man. One engineer. I and have... I've used many over the four years. He's the only one that knows my sound, that can give me that sound. So how did you meet this engineer that you work with? Uh, actually, off of DistroKid, man, they have a thing called Slaps.com. It's a huge community for artists off of DistroKid that you're able to literally upload your music to this community. And what he did, this is crazy. I met him, man, because he uh, he put out a beat that was on his EP that's coming out in like two weeks. And it's a track called Whispers that I actually did for him now. But I remember hearing this beat and I was like, oh, my God, this thing is so sick. It was like an EDM type beat with, with it was so pretty, super melodic. And you, you got to understand, he had like 400 plus comments on this post, people asking to get on this. And I said, I remember writing him this. I said, bro, I can promise to you if you send this to me, I will kill it. So I didn't expect to hear anything from him. Within an hour, though, he emailed me. And he's like, here's the here's the beat. Here's the beat, brother. That's how he is in Australia. Brother, I sent you the beat. So I got the beat and I told him, bro, I said, give me, give me two hours and I'm going to send you back some, which I did. In an hour and a half, I sent him back my shit and he was like, Holy shit, he's like, I've been looking for an artist with your vocals. And then what he asked me, though, is he goes, do you mind if I mix it for you? And me, I was like, sure, man. I would love to have somebody else mix my stuff because I, it all came down to trust. He told me what he could do. 
He was a drummer for six years. He toured. He's a professional sound engineer for 12 now. Like, I was like, dude, what do I have to lose, right? It's either going to sound better or, if anything, it's going to be the same as when I sent it. So I sent it to him. And, bro, the shit he sent me back blew my fucking mind. I kid you not. I sat there and said, holy shit. How? I, he's in Australia of all places. I would have never met this dude. I would have never known anything. And his style of producing and mixing with my vocals and the stuff that, hey, man, he transforms the track into a song. Put it like that. I give him my vocal tracks and what I've done. And then he goes in and transforms it completely and sends me back this masterpiece of this this just track. And I'm just like, I don't know what you do, but we got something special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was – I met this guy a month ago, man, a month ago. And within the last three weeks, we now have six singles that are going to be dropped. Six. And we'll be on Tampa Bay Pulse Radio tomorrow night. Our music is dropping live on the radio, so that's going to be super live to hear that going as well so and this is all independent man like this is not anything no signing nothing like that all independent man i like what you're saying because like legit i managed to accidentally stumble into a bunch of beats and then accidentally stumble into a sound engineer and all of this was within the last like (laughs) two or three months and whatnot so i was like oh life is life is pretty life is pretty popping when you network and you like actually put yes. that effort into but that's the thing is um like i didn't even okay look i knew distro kid had stuff and like they have yep. the roulette game and yeah and i never got a good number on it so i gave up and like you know but i didn't know they had this social media shit built in for real like should i be on distro kid fucking around in there like Distro Kid community, yeah. like, is that a big move? I would because you'll be able to network with so many people through there. Like, you'll be able to upload a track, people will listen to it, they'll give you feedback on it, and you'll be able to hear other artists as well. I mean, they, it, bro, it took down. Like I said, I, I just found out about Slaps three weeks ago, almost a month ago, and I've been on Distro Kid for two and a half years. Never knew about it. Mm. So go figure. Like, just go figure. And that's how I met him, man. Like small world. Like and like I said, I, I don't believe in like luck. I don't believe in that. I believe this is supposed to happen. I believe I was supposed to meet this dude. And like I said, his mindset is the same as mine. So we're both on the same wavelength. I could sit there and tell him, Hey, I want this done with the track or this. He can sit there and say, Hey, can you fix this, this or that? There's no art. Everybody's on the same wave. You know, so when that happens, the music takes a whole different level, man, because then you don't have that stress of Oh God, this guy's getting on my nerves. Yeah, oh, he's just always bashing my shit. Or you're negative. Me and him, it's like, all right, cool. You want me to try and fix this? Let's do this. Let's try and do whatever we can do to make this the best piece of art we can put out, right? Mm-hmm. Without overdoing it, oversimplify. Like, don't over, you know, make it complicated. And that's what we've done. And I'm excited, man. I'm really excited for this new stuff coming out. I think it's gonna be. I already have quite a few, like I have a really big thing going on that I can't talk about it yet, but uh, it has to do with like actual label. So I have I have that going on right now. Hold it's on. getting looked over. Can we just yeah. mention something right quick? This yeah. man just dropped a project, like, <laughs> and we he's so he's so preoccupied with like all this shit that's popping off right now that like. 
a nine track project came out in May. Yeah. And we're like, he's like, it's not even worth talking about now because we got all this other shit to talk about now. That is actually pretty fucking a big flex. That's a big flex. Bro, it's, and you know, and honestly, it's, it, it, music's my therapy, man. So when I'm, put it like this, if somebody sits there and asks me, hey, man, what's going on with you today, right? I'm not really going to sit there and give an answer and open up. That's just how I've always been. I've been like that. I, I've learned, I'm better at it now, but a lot of people are full shit. Like I learned that throughout my life. And so I was like, man, I just, I'm not going to burden anybody with what I got going on. Right. So I wouldn't, I would always close it up and I never had that. And that's not a healthy thing, by the way. Okay. So don't, don't think people that, oh, it's healthy. Don't do that. Talk about what's going on with you. Right. Get it out. It's better to be out than you bottling shit up and not letting it out. But that transitions into the studio was the very first time that I was able to literally put how I felt out without anybody judging me, without having anybody. It was just me and the beat. Right. So that was the biggest release was that. So like, you know, putting that album out in May to now, like when that came out, I took literally a week, soaked it in. And then it was like, time to get back to work. Bro, to it's to work. Just, that's the part where it's like, See, I love that shit. That's my kind of grind. Yo, it's not yep. really about like, like, but it's also probably because you have that perspective of, I can't even afford to promote this shit. So let's move on to the next That's, shit. That, well, and that was part, and I had, I have now this new shit. I'm not even paying for promotion, but I've gotten it on the radio. I got people promoting it like crazy. And when it, before it even drops, like, and it's crazy how that's transitioned because yeah, paying for promo, man, you got to know who's the right people to pay one because you have 95% of them are scams. So you got to be very careful with that. Also, if you, uh, anybody here that's an artist, do not buy views or it plays on your Spotify. If it gets caught that you did that, your shit will be banned. So just remember that because people do that. And the thing is they don't, a lot of people, man, when you're an upcoming artist, you're beginning, you don't have in your mind, oh, people are trying to fuck me over, right? Like there's not what you want to think of oh, these people genuinely like my music is trying to help me. Cool. When in all reality, nine out of 10 of them are just trying to fuck you to get some money. You have to understand that, you know? And the only reason I say that is because I went through it myself. So I've been through it. I mm-hmm. went and got scammed. I went through the scams and was like, oh, okay, I just wasted my fucking money and I look like an idiot, right? Yeah. Because I didn't know it. But now mm-hmm. that I've been through these things, being able to be on here talking with you on this, on the radio shows on the other night, talking about this. I'm able to give artists or people in general looking like, to do something give them like advice. Credit to like this whole other part to it, right? Like, how do I even know who the fuck Super Five Stone is, right? That's a huge question. Yeah. Random guy yep. in uh in Texas and myself. And it was like we actually did connect via a third party that's from Montreal yep. too. That's was yep. the guy lives in my neighborhood, right? That's uh, shout out Steve to George. So like Steve. me and him is like homies. So he hits me up one day and he's telling me about this wonderful thing. He's behind this battle booth. He's revealing. Yep. He, he, yep. People found out it's him or whatever. There was a whole to do with it. Um, and then all of a sudden he starts coming through with the crossroads cipher. And then he starts yep. telling me that people are now I'd seen you freestyle on a ship before, believe it or not, because what is Battle Booth? How do you get involved with Battle Booth? Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Because you were definitely doing they, that. They found me. 
honestly. Like, I was just posting freestyles, man, and, like, he saw my stuff, and I didn't know at the time that was him. I, I didn't know who it was. But uh, he was like, hey, this is really dope. We're doing this thing for Battle Booth for Underground Freestyle Rap where you post your shit. And, like, at that, dude, I was posting so many damn freestyles at one day. One day it was ridiculous, which I don't do that near as much anymore. I've learned algorithm plays a big part in your stuff now. At what time you're in it, like certain analytics play in a factor with posting content. So, but how I met Steve was like, yeah, he literally saw me and he invited me into that with them. And I, and thing is like, if I'm believing what somebody's doing, I'm gonna promote the shit out of you myself. I, I don't. It doesn't matter, you know, how big, how small you are. It doesn't care. You're doing something that I believe in as well. That's the best thing you do. So I helped him push Battle Booth as well, and he's grown it, man. Like he's done done pretty pretty damn well with it you know big facts and he's actually put me on with you guys like i said dude he's, a, he's all around he's a great fucking dude so huge shout out steve yeah. much 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 love brother so yeah basically uh super five stone comes through and just fucking bust out on the the, the crossroad cipher and for a bit and then we were like oh shit and i said wow i mean you may as well come through for the interview look how fucking talented you are and he was doing the freestyles and shit but you got into the social media game for how long? Like, how long were you busting Instagrams and stuff? Since the past three, three years, I've been doing it on Instagram. Um, I don't use Facebook. Uh, Facebook, the reason I use Instagram, Instagram allows me to do videos, one. And two, I'm able to have people that don't know me, my content, actually see my content. Right? Like, I with my hashtags. Hashtags make a huge difference. I can pinpoint certain demographic of people, age, Sex, it doesn't matter. I can pinpoint that so I can bring people in that I've never heard of me. Whereas on Facebook, it was only people that followed me. Mm. So everybody knew what I was doing. So it was like, okay, this is nothing new. Like, there's nothing getting gained. So I was like, well, I can't do that. Twitter, I couldn't post videos. And I could only write, like, 25-character text at the time. Like, I was like, this is not, like, this isn't going to work. So Instagram was literally one that's like, holy shit, I can actually literally post a video of me doing what I do, sign me up. And that's how it started. Yep. That's how it started. So there'd be a, definitely a huge correlation to your Instagram's ethic of freestyles. That's like your mixtapes. You know, yes. sense. It's, it's, it's crazy, bro. Cause if you go up there, it's a lot of posts. But oh, from the very I, beginning to now, I'm aware. I was trying to figure out where you were from and I had to scroll real, <laughs> real fucking far down to find that weather picture you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. So, but it's crazy because it's like a chronological order of the skill level. Mm. It shows I can go back and look from a year ago till now. And just the progression alone is insane. Insane. It's like a timeline for me, literally. That's why I haven't deleted these posts. Why I keep them up? People are like, bro, you have a shit ton of posts. You're not going to like, no. Because it reminds me it's a timeline. I'm able to sit there and go, okay, this is what you've done. This is what you've done. This is what you've done. This is what you haven't done. And the flip side, right? So then I can always, I always have one way or another to improve. That's the thing. As an artist, music is always evolving. So since it's always evolving, you're never going to perfect it. So I'm always chasing that. That's what I'm trying to get is what can I get to make my music better every day? No matter how big, how small, what can I do to improve one way or another? And that's what I try and do daily. That's the way to be great, man. You know, that's what I tell people. I was like, I can either be good or I can be somebody to look back on and be like, dude, this guy had the most talent in the world and he wasted it. Or I can sit there and go, 
yeah, I told you I was going to be great. <laughs> it's just, you know, work ethic, mindset, and understanding what what makes you different, what makes you stand out, and what your gift is. And once you do that, it's a wrap. Facts. It's a wrap. No, it's big facts. I, I really heavy to all of that. Man, like, you, you, got, you got a lot of passion in you. Like, everything about you. Yeah. I got to ask, what's this dish shit that... Discs, this game that you also play. What is this, this other thing that you do? What? I went on your Instagram and it looked like there's a sport with a disc or something, and I don't know what it is. Oh yeah, this guy right here, man, my apparel guy, Euphoria Disc Golf. I actually play disc golf. It's now a professional sport. Um, it's awesome. And the thing is, like, I used to play regular ball golf, right? Hitting it with the club, I sucked. I was terrible. I couldn't hit the ball. Where I wanted to go, I had a bunch of power, but I couldn't ever. It, it was frustrating, man. And it's expensive. Playing regular golf is expensive. So disc golf is literally the same rules of golf, except you play in the woods, you play, and there's baskets. So you have three shots to make it in. If you get any shot above that, you take a stroke, so forth and so on. And, man, it's I absolutely love the sport. Absolutely love it. My wife plays. She's She's really damn good. Super proud of her. And our kids, our daughters, like our five-year-old throws, my little one that turned one is going to be throwing. Like, it's a great sport, man. And anybody can do it. It's literally free. You can go to any course, not have to pay anything. You, like your discs, a lot of the time, the plastic, like the Frisbees, but they're not like those big Frisbees, like ultimate Frisbees you know, people think everyone about. everyone plays it in Norway. No, yeah, bro, it's huge in Norway. It's big. It's, they settle on average. There's about, on average, about 12 million new people playing it a day. It's huge. It is blowing up. Yeah, it's, it's, they just had, and in the sport, the main guy that's been a beast in it, man, he literally just, he's changing the sport for good. He signed a 10-year, $10 million contract, so he just brought the big money into it. So having Adidas as a sponsor in there now, they're trying to get Red Bull sponsorship in there. Like, they're corporate, they're corporatizing it, which I can see them doing it. But it's going to grow it immensely. It's like in the grassroots stage, if you think about it. Disc golf's been around since 1984. was like the first tournament ever. So it's not been around for over, for, you know, 45, you know, 40 years. It's it's still in its infancy compared to regular golf, which has been around since like, what, 1500, 1600, some shit like that. Like, I did, it's way back in the day. Mm. Yo, that yeah. sounds nifty. Whenever I get to meet you in person, bro, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get you some discs to take you out and show you. <laughs> take you out and to go throw, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely sold on the idea. That sounds fun as fuck. I'm gonna look into that. I'm certain Montreal has that shit. It would be very baffling oh, yeah. if Montreal didn't have disc golf somewhere. Um Yo, you said something like an hour. Do you do you have like a time limit on this night for you? I got I got about probably five more minutes. I gotta put my I got my one year old mm. and my five year old and here it's eight ten. It's dad time to get them ready for bed. They yeah, won't no. do it unless I don't. So I just wanted to, you know, make sure that we wrapped up properly then and not have like a rushed you have to jump off experience. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate right. you coming through for real though. Um your links are gonna be in the description of the future video. Um they've been popping through in the chat. Uh Honestly, you're a very interesting fellow with a lot of art. The sounds that you're playing with definitely stand out. Uh, the way y'all use the auto tunes and shit, I'll give it to you. I was I was sitting there going, I don't know that I've heard this before. 
I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I but I didn't know that I heard it before. And so when you make your claims, I'm like, that's a fair enough. They're doing some shit with it where I was like, that's a little it took a second to get into it. But then you get into it and it's a fucking vibe. So I fucked with it. Right. I like it a lot. And it's just all of it. Just the most inspiring part is just how your attitude is like so seventeen year old with it. Like that's what a seventeen year old would do. Drop the shit, fuck that shit, I'm bored with it. Let's move on to the next shit. Let's get the next thing popping. Let's <laughs> pop off on the next thing. But at the end of the yeah. day, with the volume of catalog, if you were to take all of your Instagram posts and consider them tracks for mixtape quality, all of a sudden you've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs out. You know? Yeah. And if yeah. you think about your fam- favorite rappers, they got hundreds and hundreds of mixtape songs you never heard of because of that back-in-the-day yep. shit that you were describing on your come-up. So, like... Yep. All this shit is is fascinating, and it makes me believe that you really are going to push it. But it also lets me and anybody else listening know, like, yo, release shit. Make mm-hmm. sure you are constantly yep. dropping shit. Otherwise, yep. it's... Go like, after it, man. Go after it. That's why I say go after it. Don't, don't hold yourself back. Don't put any doubt in your head. Get rid of it. And do not let anybody's opinion ever, ever defer you from doing what you know you love to do. Just because somebody doesn't like it doesn't mean somebody else does. So as long as you like what you're doing, that's all it's about, man. Mm. That's it. And yeah. So definitely thank all y'all for watching this live. For the people that are here with us, we appreciate thank you. Thank y'all for coming in and watching, man. Whoever, and I apologize to y'all if I made y'all wait for almost an hour. My Texas time zone was jacked, so I apologize. <laughs> but thank y'all for coming and rocking with me, man. I have a bunch of new music dropping. I'm so excited. And to you, sir, greatly, greatly appreciate this. So thank you. Yo, for real, it's great to have you. And just to thank you to all the future people watching. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, special thanks to the patrons is milgan mc chris Pratt, jonathan barnes Egypt, black hurricane little way and scribble the dope they support what we do if you want to support what we do patreon.com slash behind that suit on that note it's been great to have you live long and prosper everyone mm-hmm.